0: Section twenty three of The Artist, or Young Ladies Instructor in Ornamental Painting, Drawing, etc., by B. F. GANDHI. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mezzotinting, Lesson Three.
1: Well, Ellen i wish to know what success you have met with in prosecuting your last study
2: you are quite right charlotte in not allowing me to set about it with an expectation of succeeding at once i have had considerable trouble with it i have done it four times and cut out the outlines a second time there it is and i shall be glad to have your opinion of it and know if you will recommend me to try it over again
1: certainly not my dear Though i cannot but rejoice that you have persevered so well already i observe the moon is not quite perfect even now but it can be made so i will just take a hard pencil and cutting a very fine point put some small touches where there is a little the appearance of an angle at the same time taking care not to make it too small i think also you have not succeeded in giving the depth of shade to every part of the drawing particularly to the water on the right hand i shall recommend you to put the outline on again and then add more color the streaks of shade also across the water have been made stronger over the light than they should be you must take some bread and clear them off as they produce an unnatural effect the reflections of the objects also are too much marked but when you increase the shade on the water this fault will be corrected
2: one thing i wish to ask you charlotte there is a good deal of the bank to the right hand and the shipping behind the mill so undefined that i could not make out exactly what is meant to be represented would it not heighten the interest if every part of the drawing was plainly marked so as to indicate distinctly what object was intended
1: do you imagine ellen if we were to take a walk by moonlight that every object would appear naturally so clear as to leave no doubt upon the mind in reference to it in this respect as in every other the principle of the art must be adhered to which is that a drawing is a representation of objects as they appear and not as they really are this attention to the minute and perfectly distinct representation of objects in pictures has been the bane of many a performance in other respects truly excellent it is entirely contrary to nature and destructive of breadth and boldness in a picture
2: i have so frequently heard drawings praised on this very account that your explanation surprises me have you not often listened to approbation bestowed upon pictures with observations similar to these so beautifully clear so well defined how distinct every part of it is one can almost count the threads in that beautiful painting of lace-work
1: Some of these expressions may be perfectly true, and yet not violate the rule I have given you, but the idea of being able to count the threads in the representation of a piece of lace-work is ludicrous indeed, and exemplifies exactly the folly of attempting to represent objects as they appear, by the effort to draw them as they really are perhaps we shall hear next of a drawing of foliage so perfect that every leaf has been studied and carefully drawn in its proper place or some wonderful specimen of architectural drawing so exquisitely done that the grain tint and accidental marks of every individual brick have been most faithfully represented i cannot help thinking that in the former case the tree might be begun in summer but could not certainly be finished before winter this would be something quite novel would it not summer and winter blended together in the same picture one part of the tree loaded with fine foliage the other representing bare branches in this part of the picture a traveller passing along having thrown off his hat and coat to catch the cold breeze in the heat of summer in that a lady clad in woolen and furs to keep out the cold of winter and then in the instance of the building there would be different angles of shadows contrary effects of light upon the colours and many other inconsistencies that might be enumerated but i hope you are already convinced of the impracticability and inutility of representing objects as they are instead of following nature and representing them as they appear
2: oh i am quite satisfied dear charlotte that it is undesirable to make every part of a drawing so plain and distinct as i before fancied was necessary and i shall candidly tell you that when i have sometimes had my attention directed to paintings by eminent artists of the day i have thought them deficient in clearness though i have not presumed to express an opinion that i considered them faulty in that respect i now however understand that this absence of distinctness being a more perfect representation of nature is a decided merit rather than the contrary
1: i shall now copy the subject i promised first i trace the outline of the whole head with still greater exactness if possible than i have before done it and putting the paper form which comes out upon the cardboard i shade round it to produce the background taking care to guide the brush in the direction of the outline to secure a strong relief then with the whole outline out of which the former was cut i introduce a general shade all along the right-hand side of the drawing for the second outline i take the whole of the face the outline of the dark shade at the bottom of the figure the streaks of shade upon the cap the dark shade in the ear and the form for the lower group of hair it is not absolutely necessary these parts should be taken first only not coming nearer to each other than is proper they do as well as any others for the third outline i take the form of the neck the dark shade by the eye that under the lower lip that from the nose the lines of the forehead part of the hair and the shade omitted before on the cap and trace the whole form of the face to guide correctly in putting it on in this instance nearly all the forms must be cut beyond the shade as they are softened off to an indefinite outline and it will require great care to make the shades just the proper width and depth the shade down the middle of the neck is introduced with the brush alone without a particular form as are also the shades on the forehead the shade down the nose is done with a stump i proceed to cut out each part as i find it wanted until the whole is finished the large shades on the forehead that also which gives the prominence to the cheekbone, and the principal shades on the throat and neck are done with a very small brush and without an outline the dark shade for the nostril the division of the lips the shade under the eyelid and the light lines on the hair are done with a black lead pencil i recommend you to practice this figure two or three times You will then be competent to attempt any subject you may wish to copy.
2: I am much obliged to you, Charlotte, how exceedingly beautiful and perfect the effect of this style of work is. I shall copy it today and request you to look at it tomorrow.
1: Have you succeeded at all with the bust, Ellen?
2: Indeed, I can scarcely say I have, but you shall see my attempt. And as I intend to try again, I shall be glad previously to have your advice
1: you must take a little more color in your brush at a time to avoid that disagreeable brown tint occasioned by working with so small a quantity and you will then get the depth of shade for the background without having recourse to so much wetting of the brush which has caused the crude and heavy appearance conspicuous in your work the shades generally upon the face and neck are not strong enough to give the bold relief so desirable in a study of merely light and shade attention to these particulars will greatly improve your next performance my aunt will be here presently
0: i wish her to see your studies of mezzotint ah here she is now ellen you must begin in earnest to turn your acquisitions to account what have you done in this beautiful art which you have last acquired i
2: have three subjects to show you mamma and shall be glad to know what you think of them
0: this little view i recognize instantly it is eddystone lighthouse it is very pretty and i think does you credit the moonlight scene is the representation of some place which i am not acquainted with it is however particularly beautiful how very natural why ellen you have wrought wonders i am delighted with your productions and must urge upon you not to act so inconsiderately as many young persons of my acquaintance with all the avidity which you have discovered in the pursuit of knowledge They have gone on until they have fully accomplished the object of their desire, such as learning a particular style of drawing, and then, with much regret, I have observed they appear perfectly satisfied with the ability to draw, and entirely lose sight of the application of their art, forgetting that the acquisition of knowledge in whatever way is only a means to an end. What would you think of a workman, Ellen? who should with great care and diligence provide himself with a chest of tools and afterwards let them lie useless in his manufactory you would justly blame him for making great preparations which he afterwards neglected to improve in this respect persons whose sole aim is to gratify the senses discover more wisdom than they who with superior intellect seek enjoyment in the higher pursuits of mental studies the miser will practise self-denial and numerous privations that he may hoard up bags of gold the epicure will endure loss of rest headache and all the evils caused by intemperance rather than forego the indulgence of his appetite while on the other hand the acquirement of knowledge the cultivation of the understanding and the improvement of the heart are pursued with indifference and in many instances with dislike the student in music grows weary in the constant and lengthened practice required to attain proficiency the admirer of the fine arts tires of his study before he can deserve the appellation of an artist and the lover of poetry gives up the effort of composition as unattainable long ere he can merit the title of poet of course my dear ellen there are many honourable exceptions to this statement and i trust perseverance on your part will entitle you to rank amongst them but i must say i fear by far the greater number give up their endeavours before they arrive at any degree of eminence in their intellectual pursuits these observations will have prepared the way for a little bit of advice which i am anxious to give you i hope that you will be determined not only to persevere in the practice of what you have already acquired but that you will also make a constant endeavour to improve in all your future efforts do not because you have succeeded pretty well hitherto permit yourself to rest contented with a merely tolerable performance is it not extremely unsatisfactory that any one should practise year after year without improvement dear
2: mamma one would almost judge from your observations that no one can arrive at perfection in any accomplishment but surely there must be many so clever as to be able to produce works that shall be entirely faultless Do you not think it possible to attain to such a proficiency?
0: My dear child, I trust you are aware that to make a drawing or any other work free from positive blemishes is but the first step towards great success. We must not only aim at this, but also endeavor to introduce decided beauties into our compositions.
2: Mamma, you quite surprise me. Do you intend to state that a work may be entirely faultless and can yet admit of further improvement? i really cannot understand you mamma if such is the case i have always considered that to speak of any work as being perfectly free from fault was to bestow upon it the very highest commendation
0: you are in error there my dear but i will endeavour to state my opinion in such a manner that you shall perfectly comprehend my meaning suppose i have a friend who is remarkably plain in person awkward in her attitudes and with a very uninteresting countenance two artists are employed to paint her portrait one gives the drawing with so much exactness that the correct outline representing the thin bony cheeks the ungraceful position and the dull and heavy look present you with a likeness that you instantly recognize the other with better taste and greater skill gives you just as perfect an idea of the individual but in a more graceful attitude and by the slight elevation of the head and the eye directed upward a little imparts a look of intelligence which while it does not destroy the likeness in the least brings to mind my friend as she appears in her happier moments and then the healthy look caused by giving a little more roundness to the cheeks is so decided an improvement that you immediately exclaim how well she looks do you not entirely agree with me that the latter must be the better performance
2: oh certainly mamma
0: then i trust you now perceive that a person may execute a drawing which shall be free from positive defects and yet be deficient in not possessing decidedly good qualities as in the works of the two artists referred to the former produced an exact likeness while the latter not only gave the exact likeness but also a most pleasing one the anecdote of the portraits of hannibal is so much in point that I cannot forego the opportunity to mention it, two artists were employed to paint his portrait, one of them painted a full likeness representing the disfigurement of the one eye which accident or disease had blinded. The other painted only a profile of him that the blind side might not be seen. The first gave great dissatisfaction, the second was handsomely rewarded.
2: I see now what you mean, Mamma. This view of the subject opens a large field to the mind in fact i perceive that freedom from defects instead of being the perfection of a performance is but the first step towards
0: it you are right ellen and may arrive at the conclusion that those who are satisfied to be copyists only must content themselves with being considered merely junior students in the arts because the absence of defects has reference chiefly to the faithfulness or faultiness of one performance which is the copy of another an original drawing on the contrary is to be estimated according as it conveys information or delight to the mind
2: i have one more art to study mamma after which i hope to make a great number of useful articles and so follow up your kind advice
0: what is the work called which
1: ellen now refers to charlotte it is the imitation of inlaid ebony and ivory commonly called the black and white work it is particularly easy both to be understood and executed the indian work from which the idea is taken is done by putting pieces of ivory cut into the forms of flowers birds etc into ebony which is a rich black wood and afterwards shading in the manner of etching the lines of shade are scraped out in the ivory and some black paint or varnish is then drawn over these lines which finishes the work you will readily perceive that this must be both a laborious and expensive process in this country and not proper for the amusement of young people but as the effect produced is both chaste and beautiful ingenuity has been to work and discover the means of imitating it so closely that when well done it is difficult to determine whether it is the reality or an imitation of the indian work can this be executed by any one ignorant of drawing certainly it may being extremely simple some persons who draw very nicely have attempted to improve upon the art and have introduced a quantity of shading with indian ink but it has always appeared to me that so far from being better for their trouble the contrary has been the case i shall therefore Explain to Ellen that style of the work which is the nearest imitation to the Indian inlaying. There are also two methods of preparing the articles for the work, and as each will be required occasionally, I shall explain both of them
0: End of section twenty three